So we're going to start Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Again, that starts off on page 685 in your pew Bible. So starting in verse 15. <clears throat> Reads, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In considering the different things that I could title today's message, I took it directly from the scripture itself. I titled it The Big Bad Wolf which you can probably see within the context where I got that title. There are a number of children's stories that may come to your mind when you hear the title, The Big Bad Wolf. Uh, for me, the first one that comes to my mind is Little Red Riding Hood. I think that's the biggest and baddest wolf out there in children's stories, at least that I can think of, Little Red Riding Hood. And I know I don't really need to tell you the story, but just in case you're unfamiliar, uh, it's about a little girl who's on her way to Grandma's house. And when she arrives, something isn't quite right about Grandma. And so she says the famous lines, Grandma, what great big ears you have. Well, the better to hear you with. What great big eyes you have. Well, the better to see you with. Oh, Granny, what great big teeth you have. The better to eat you with. <laughs> now, is that not the nature of a false prophet? We call them wolves in sheep clothing. And the story of Little Red Riding Hood is a little bit different. It's a wolf in grandma's clothing. Kind of weird, but, you know, we get the point that it's a wolf masquerading as somebody that you can trust, that you think is pure of heart, that you think is kind toward you, that you think that they have all the best intentions towards you. But on the inside, they have nothing but contempt for the person they're talking to. And as it relates to false prophets, they might seem like they have all the best intentions, all the nicest things to say to you. But on the inside, they have nothing but contempt for God and for the people of God and his word. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Let me share with you a little secret that I've learned about false prophets. They are excellent Great communicators. In fact, let me take that a little bit further, because sometimes you think, that, okay, well, somebody's able to speak really well, so that means that um, you know they're, they're just inherently likable. No, there's something that I've learned about that makes a distinction between 
good communicators and great communicators, and where false prophets and people of their ilk are excellent is not just with the skill of communication, but the skill of connection, of connecting with their audiences. And this is an art that they have actually taken time to master. And I, when I say that, I mean that in the most serious way. Uh, I, I took some courses on how to communicate to an audience, and they say that the whole key to it is building a connection with your audience. Because the false prophets, what they learned, probably from taking courses similar from what I have, that if you build a connection with your audience, it gives you a certain influence over their lives. And if you build a strong enough connection with your audience, they will give you whatever you want. In fact, false teacher by the name of Andy Stanley, I know I've referenced him before, I'm not trying to beat him up, he just happens to be a Sadly, good example of, uh, of being a person who I would consider to be a false teacher. He has absolutely mastered the art of communication and connecting with a given audience. So even though he teaches false doctrines from his church's uh, stage, his church just can't quite get themselves to get him out of there. Why is that? His bond is so strong with them, and he has a lot of influence over their lives. I mean, he's spoken lots of good into them. He's probably done lots of good things for them, and yet he has nothing in his heart. And I, I know that I'm kind of extrapolating, but based on things that he's saying, it seems as though even though he's preaching a good message in many respects, that he has nothing but contempt in his heart for the word of God. And they would be able to break this bond if they turned to God's word itself to measure God's word to his words. In fact, I don't doubt that many of them probably do. But what does Pastor Stanley do to stop them from making this happen? Well, he uses the words, well, we worship God. We don't worship the Bible. And see what he did? He kind of takes the seat of authority away from God's word, God, <laughs> in that respect, and puts the authority back in his realm so he can tell you how to interpret God's word properly and thus he maintains authority inside of North Point Community Church. So we got to be very careful when it comes to false teachers and false prophets. And I just said that I made a distinction right there. I don't know if you noticed that because there actually is a difference between a false teacher and a false prophet. They have a lot of similar qualities uh, to them but they are indeed, from a biblical standpoint, just a little bit different. For instance, a false teacher is someone who manipulates and distorts the Word of God. I think that this was illustrated in the children's lesson I gave this morning, uh, which I mentioned about the comic that accompanies it. I wish I could have had it up on the screen, but uh, the comic that I got that from uh, it had a preacher who was standing up in front of a congregation. He had his hand up in the Bible as though it's a sock puppet. It, the Bible had a mouth, and he was making the mouth of the Bible move as he was talking. And so he was making the Bible say whatever it was that he wanted the Bible to say. So it wasn't really the Word of God communicating the message to the people. It was actually the preacher trying to communicate his own agenda. So that's what a false teacher is. A false teacher is somebody that manipulates and distorts uh, the word of God to make it say what he wants to say for his own purposes. Now, a prophet, on the other hand, is somebody who's able to predict the future. 
He's kind of like a consultant. When you go throughout the Old Testament, you see lots of examples of prophets. And a long time ago, a person would consult a prophet to ask maybe if they should go to war. And then the prophet would say, yes, you should go to war because you'll be victorious, or no, you should not go to war. You're going to lose. A false prophet, on the other hand, doesn't predict the future. He builds a connection with the king, a nation, or a group of people, and tells them exactly what they want to hear. Now, lots of times we get confused with this. We think that simply means that they tell them nice, happy things. And lots of times that is the truth. Lots of times they tell their congregation nice, happy things to manipulate them, to get them to do their will instead of God's will. But let's be honest, lots of times uh, the doomsday prophets in the past couple of centuries are amongst the most prevalent. And, and I guess I get it because people are excited about the return of Jesus Christ. And so these doomsday prophets make these predictions and and they set dates, and then they don't come to fruition. They say, oh, whoops, forgot to carry the one. I guess I need to try that again. Um, so the doomsday prophets are a good example of people that don't necessarily predict good things, but still find a way to, um, to manipulate people through what they will call prophecy, through claiming that God is speaking to, the, to them directly to let them know when the end is coming. So Jesus did not propose that we base our trust in prophets on their words alone. Did you catch how we read that? When we read the, that, that portion of scripture that Jesus did not say that we measure a prophet based on their words alone, but we should base our trust in prophets on what it says is their fruit, their actions, their conduct, their consistency. And we can actually see things within the lives of prophets that will either earn our trust or lose our trust. Thus, if a person claims to be a prophet, but lives a wicked life, Jesus tells us, don't follow them. They're not validating their testimony with the life that they're living. For instance, Jeremiah was a good prophet in a desert full of false prophets. I say desert sort of metaphorically, but his task was to deliver a hard message to people who didn't want to hear it. So he's a legitimate prophet given a message by God to preach to people that didn't want to hear it. And on top of that, he has this problem of false prophets preaching good news to an audience that's supposed to hearing about really bad news that they need to repent from. Um, but he had these false prophets that he was fighting against. And in Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah wrote, the prophets follow an evil course and use their power unjustly. Both prophet and priest are godless. Even in my temple, I find their wickedness. So why is it that we need to take conduct into consideration or measuring the validity of a prophet or I'll even say a teacher as well? Well, it's because lots of times when somebody makes a prediction when somebody speaks words and, and they say that something's going to happen, words take some time to pass. And maybe you won't be able to even see whether that prophecy gets fulfilled within your day. But what can you recognize? Well, you can recognize the conduct of the person who's delivering the message. And so what we're able to do by watching the conduct and listening to what's being said, we are able to check the values given to us by Scripture and determine, 
Are they honoring God's word truly? Are they living the way that they're saying, the way that God's word says that we ought to be living? Are they actually speaking a prophecy or a word or a teaching that is consistent with the word of God? And if the person is inconsistent with God's word, you know that person is not from God. The reason why I bring this up is because oftentimes that we say, and I, I think this is where we've gotten ourselves into a lot of trouble, actually, and I have probably, I probably even preached on this in a way that was in the affirmative sense, that we often claim that the litmus test regarding true and false teachers and prophets is, well, do they believe in Jesus? Do they affirm Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, because we, we see that inside of the Bible that it says that somebody who's a false prophet will not deny the name of Christ. Um, and I think that when we take that within the context, back then, if you affirm the name of Christ in front of the masses, in front of Caesar, and you said Jesus is Lord, you'd be killed. So you would not affirm the name of Jesus if you're a false prophet because you don't want to be killed, okay? I think that that's contextually speaking what we're really getting at there. There's a real threat to somebody that would claim Jesus Christ as Lord. But I think that within our day and age, that there's an awful lot of false prophets that take upon Jesus as their, that claim Jesus as their Lord. To tell the truth, I don't know about you all. I mean, maybe there are, if you're into like, I don't know, others, if you follow other religions and stuff, maybe you can find one. But I can't think of a single false prophet or false teacher that I know of within the realm of the church that does not claim Jesus as their Lord. In fact, many of them will tell you that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and is coming back one day. And why do they do that? That's part of their business model. They need that in order to do business. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So this kind of blows our litmus test out of the water because they will come to us saying, Lord, Lord. They will go to Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, but they didn't know him. They never knew him. And in this passage, Jesus also warned that signs and wonders are not the litmus test of the believer. And this is hard for a lot of people because we want to see signs. We want to see wonders. We want to see God working in supernatural ways through people. But when we see a person get up on stage or gather an audience and start performing miracles, we need to beware. We need to be very cautious, the sort of authority that we're allowing them to have on our lives. Because back, uh, well, not just the Old Testament, I would say the New Testament as well, that, prop, that, uh, uh, that miracles, signs and wonders of all sorts, that they're there to certify the authenticity of prophecy, to certify the authenticity of a prophet, a direct word from God. And lots of times, and I do mean that, lots of times people will do false miracles exactly for that reason. They want to earn your trust. They want you to think that they are a certified prophet from God himself.
Now, what if a person does legitimately perform a miracle? Jesus was saying that such an act does not guarantee that person's salvation. What if a person exercises a demon? Jesus says that person is not necessarily worthy of your trust. What if a person does tell a, tr a prophecy that comes true? Again, that doesn't mean that person is necessarily heaven-bound or a believer or even trying to guide you in the right way. Jesus said that many people will say, Lord, Lord, but will not enter God's kingdom. In fact, he will tell them, I never knew you. That's not because these things that they're doing, these signs and wonders, are necessarily wrong, but they choose to do the incredible instead of the important things of God. The big bad wolf is a reality, and he does pursue people inside of the church. When Little Red Riding Hood came across the big bad wolf inside of Grandma's house, my understanding is probably dark in there, but as soon as she noticed that, you know, Grandma looks a little bit hairier than normal, then maybe she should have ran for the door. She should have gotten out of there as fast as she could and not even entertain the fact that Grandma's ears look a little bit bigger than normal. We got to get out of there. When there's a false prophet, a false teacher, whatever it might be in that respect, that we do have a chance to be able to flee and get away. And for us, the way that we do that is we need to know the Bible and we need to know the values that are communicated to us through Scripture. And I know I've preached time and time again that we need to know our Bibles. We need to know our Bibles. And it is of utmost importance to know what the Bible says. But I, this is going to sound strange, and it, it might sound a little complicated, but I think that most of the deceptions of our day, lots of times, deal with the values that we hold to in relation to the Bible. Again, it kind of goes back to that whole idea that we say that, well, they, that person seems like, a, like they love Jesus. They say they love Jesus, and they do good things. But then we have to really see, are they lining up in terms of values? We are willing to give, a, uh, give the preacher a pass because he knows the Bible and says he loves Jesus. But if the values he promotes are contrary to the Bible, Jesus said that if you love him, you will obey his teachings. There are a lot of values in the Bible. So what values do we need to be well acquainted with? Reality is, well, all of them. <laughs> if if uh, you know where I'm going with that, that basically learning how to live your life as a genuine follower of Jesus Christ is a lifelong process. And you're not going to be perfect the whole way through. You, you're going to grow and mature along the way. So it takes some time to get perfectly acquainted with the values communicate, communicated to us through Scripture. But since there are lots of values, since there are lots of things, lots of ethics inside the Bible that we need to know, what can I leave you with today? And I, I thought about this, I reflected on this, I was like, if I were to give you three things to measure the value of a preacher or a prophet, whatever you might say, uh, by, I thought back to this true crime show that I watched a while back, and it was actually very insightful in this regard. It said it was talking about murder, of course, and it said that all murders are committed over one of three things, money, sex, revenge, okay? Those three things right there. And I don't know why that came to my mind when I was reflecting upon that, 
But then I thought, you know what? Those are actually a really good standard through which we can measure the validity of a teacher. Uh, let me uh, share that with you here in just a second. Uh, if we are able to identify the fruits of a, later, of a leader in relation to these three categories, we can be very, very discerning, actually, in relation to their authenticity. So if we start, let's take money to start off with, okay? Start off with money. We ourselves need to, uh, need to see money as being a gift from God, okay? Yes, we work for it. Yes, we need, we need to make an honest living to earn money to be able to live our lives, to be able to survive, be able to provide for our families, be able to help out the church, be able to help out our friends, to do good things with the blessings that God has given us. We need to see money as a blessing from God and as a reward for the work that we put in. Now, if we see a leader betraying that ethic, that they're abusing money, and they're using it for things to take advantage of people or whatever, or you see them earning it in ways that maybe they shouldn't be earning it, maybe uh, cheating people and so forth, well, maybe we need to start distancing ourselves from that leader. Personally, I think this next one goes without saying, but I think that it, these days, maybe it doesn't go without saying. If we take the category of sex, we hold to a biblical sexual ethic. No sex before marriage, and that marriage is between one man, one woman, until death do we part. The only alternative to that is celibacy. And if a leader violates this ethic, that leader needs to be removed immediately. Or you need to get as far away from that leader as you possibly can, because the Bible absolutely forbids leaders from uh, infringing upon the purity of biblical sexuality. Revenge. We don't hold grudges against people. Jesus talked about that inside of the Sermon on the Mount. We don't hold grudges against groups of people. And if a leader comes in and says that you need to be holding a grudge against certain people or certain groups of people, we need to be very careful about that leader. In fact, Jesus taught us that we should bless our enemies, and that's something that anybody that teaches the Bible should be intimately familiar with, that we don't curse our enemies, we bless our enemies. And our leaders should not be seekers of revenge, nor should they be those who are encouraging of revenge or using the church as a way to inflict revenge upon anybody, uh, any, any person or group of people. If they do in any way see, if you happen to recognize a leader who is seeking revenge against somebody, it's time to hold them accountable. You, you need to call them to task and let them know that they're not acting the way that God calls them to as a leader or even as a Christian following after the way of Jesus Christ. So don't be deceived by false teachers. Don't be deceived by false prophets. Cling to God's word and do what's right. It's the most sure way to have a deep relationship with God. And we have an example and teacher in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the road to salvation, and his fruit is everlasting life. Our leaders should be modeling their lives after Christ himself. Thus, their leadership should not be something where they are trying to domineer over the people they are serving, but rather it should be sacrificial. 
that when we follow the examples of our leaders and that of Jesus, we will be commended one day by God with his words, well done, good and faithful servant. Please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us these warnings, Lord, that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is somebody who is authentically following after you. But Lord, let us also examine our own hearts to see that when we cry out, Lord, Lord, that we indeed are actually following after you, that we indeed have the things um, of your mission upon our hearts, uh, that we do have compassion for our neighbor, that indeed we are sharing the gospel with our friends and family. And Lord, that we are not worried about what others might think about us in that way, but rather, Lord, we seek first your kingdom. So Father God, we thank you for the words of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we are able to draw near to him. And we pray, Lord, that you would protect us uh, from false messages. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.